the the lawyer for the provincial uh, government regulator stood up in court and said that the government wants to discourage uh, distilleries in Ontario. Whiskey, whiskey. Welcome to episode 79 of The Whiskey Topic. I'm Mark Milock and my co-host is Jamie Johnson. And this week we interview two micro distilleries, one from the US and one from Canada. And the sort of challenges that they face, especially from the point of view of government regulation and government taxation. But first, it's that time of year when we're looking for gift ideas. And if you listen to this podcast, you're likely going to love my book, The Whiskey Cabinet. This is a top-rated, best-selling book on Amazon. It has a wonderful photography. It's going to look beautiful on your coffee table. Um, and it is intended as a frank but passionate look at the whiskey world. Uh, you're going to learn about how whiskey is made, how it's marketed, uh, what makes each major whiskey region unique. So I look at what uh, makes Canadian whiskey different from American whiskey from a historical point of view, from a terroir point of view, and just simply from the point of view that whiskey is defined differently depending on the country. There are, of course, whiskey recommendations from bourbon to scotches to Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey, and whiskey from Japan. Uh, if this sounds like you'd be interested in this book, you can find it by searching The Whiskey Cabinet on Amazon. That's whiskey without an E. Um, or you can just look for my name, Bylock, B as in Bob, Y-L-O-K, and we'll have links in the show notes. The book sells for about $22. It would be a wonderful gift idea for yourself or your friends. When you receive the book, or if you already have the book, uh, use the hashtag The Whiskey Cabinet and show me how the book looks at your whiskey cabinet or on your coffee table. Anyway, that's my spiel. Let's get to the interview. So on today, we have Andrew Buchanan from Hartfield & Co., located in Paris, Kentucky, which, Andrew, I believe <laughs> is a short drive from Lexington. Not that far, man. About 15 minutes, yeah. And last time Jamie and I were there, actually, sorry, uh, yeah, last time I was to, there. Yeah, like, rub it in there, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, let's rub it in a little bit. Let's more. rub it in a little bit. Uh, when, <laughs> last time I was there, you were uh, you were ready for a move, so you've now moved into your new location. We have, man. Yeah, and it, it's it's fantastic uh, moving into a space that's eleven times the size of the one that you saw. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Oh, amazing, amazing. I'm looking, we're looking forward to visiting you as well. <laughs> yeah, and I'll we, be there next time. Exactly. <laughs> and also on the line, we have Michael Hook. And Michael Hook is co-owner of The Last Straw Distillery. You're located in Vaughan, Ontario, which is just minutes away from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, scenic, scenic Vaughan, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and you also underwent a move recently and uh, just reopened, well, not reopened, but moved you into your new location in Vaughan over the summer. Yes, we did. We uh, we started out on a, on a farm, but... But uh, for, for a lot of reasons, it was in the middle of nowhere and not practical. So we're uh, somewhere with paved roads now, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Michael's also a DJ I've, I've, uh, and various other things. So if you're in the Toronto area, definitely uh, definitely check him out. So we wanted to talk to you guys. We wanted to do a compare and contrast uh, with uh, running a distillery between Kentucky and Ontario. <laughs> Um, and this for us is very timely because uh, Ontario just passed or is starting to pass a law, Bill 70, um, that taxes distilleries um, or defines what taxation distilleries will face when they sell uh, whiskey out of their store. And this has been a great disappointment to distilleries of Ontario. Um, and so I've, I've always been kind of on the side of like, I don't really, you know, public policy is one thing, right? Like, Governments can decide to choose to promote one business over another. But ultimately, I think the governments need to make our businesses competitive. Uh, we want to have you know, businesses in Ontario to be competitive with businesses in Kentucky. Um, so we were hoping to do a little bit of uh, kind of back and forth on numbers and just kind of give you an idea of the differences between running a distillery in Kentucky and Ontario. <laughs> 
And, and Jamie, you and I will both agree that in either case, running a distillery is tough work and neither of us yes. are up to it. And no. we are, we, we, th- this is not, you know, this, it's not easy to do anywhere to make whiskey. That's right. That's right. No, I, uh, I, I, it blows my mind the, 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 even just the sheer mechanics of, you know, getting all that stuff into one place makes me tired. I want to take a nap. <laughs> you so. should, you should try moving a distillery. Yeah, right. I can oh, only imagine. We, we were uh, at Supper at, at Michael's uh, the last straw distillery, and literally, I, I think I was I was there for during fermentation, and and just that alone, I'm like, wow, this is this is a day. This is uh, this is a full day. It's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's a lot of waiting. Uh, it's a lot more work, um, and that doesn't even get into the business side of things and the marketing side of things. But so that may, making it is one thing, and getting to the step where you have something ready to sell is one thing, but uh, selling it is uh, is a whole different animal. Yeah, it's uh, it's a true it's a true business from start to finish. You're working with raw products, raw ingredients. Uh, you pour your heart and soul into it. You you it's a very technical business, but there's also a cra- there's definitely craft to it. There's also an art to it to to kind of create a product that you're looking to create. Yeah. Um, and there's also kind of that wait and see option, right? You put stuff in barrels and you hope it turns out. A little good. bit of magic, <laughs> a little bit of magic involved too, I think. <laughs> yeah, just just have to trust the process a lot of the time. <laughs> all right, so I think we'll start with Andrew. Andrew, I wanted to get an idea from you. Uh, first of all, um, you um, you're selling bourbon. Yes. Yes. Now, bourbon, uh, you know, you're not selling American whiskey. Your, your bourbon is a more, I guess, valuable brand for you. You want to make sure your your whiskey falls under the bourbon um, under the it, bourbon title. Right. And we, we actually are selling a, a different product now called American whiskey, but that's a totally different story. But <laughs> um, being in Bourbon County, I mean, bourbon for us is, is what it's about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, having, having product on the shelves already with the name bourbon on it was... Um, the key right right and that's just brand recognition it's people yeah. like buying bourbon they don't necessarily uh put as much value into something called american whiskey versus bourbon um right. you know for wrong or right reasons it's just more of a marketing thing um yeah. and then so now how long do you age your bourbon for so right now we're in barrel uh, about four to four and a half months something like that and we're using 5.8 gallon barrels um all come from minnesota um Brand new American white oak charred barrels, so we're following all of the laws for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Just the surface area thing—that's that's that's what we're playing with. The five point eight gallon barrels have two and a half times the surface area per gallon um, than a big fifty three gallon barrel does. Um, so literally, we're getting more extracts per gallon um, out of the out of the wood, um, which kind of aids in the speed of it all. Right. So instead of using the the big barrels that uh, the American style barrels that normally are used, you're aging them less, but you're getting more, like you said, more of that wood contact. Yep. Absolutely. All right. And uh, Michael, tell us what what you guys are working on. Uh, well, we're we're working on a lot of things. Uh, so we we started the distillery to make whiskey and specifically to to make single malt. Um, but the rules in Canada, obviously, are that. Uh, you can't call anything whiskey until it's uh, 100% grain on the mash bill, no additives, uh, and it has to spend at least three years in oak. Uh, so even even though we could we could make something that meets all the criteria for a bourbon, uh, we can't call it a bourbon because it's not from the U.S. Uh, but we can make a, a bourbon style whiskey, but you know the the four and a half month uh, option just is not there for us. Sorry about so- that. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're, you're not even looking at small barrels because at this point if you're aging it for three years it doesn't 
really matter to you. Like that's not a priority. The barrel size you want you want a product that's going to be in three years is going to be a whiskey. Yeah, and, and frankly, barrels are expensive, uh, and smaller barrels tend to be more expensive per gallon or per liter than uh, than larger barrels. Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's a lot easier to find, especially when you're doing single malts or you're doing rums and things in uh, in used oak. It's just a lot easier to find used 53 gallon barrels than it is to find used 5.8 gallon barrels. Although we should talk after Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I've got some I could I could shoot you away. Well, I was going to say, like, what is the so, Mike? It's not like you know we've we've got you know Independence Dave, um, you know, just kicking around here or readily you know available access to X uh, whiskey barrels in in like a huge capacity. Where are you getting your barrels from? Uh, we're sourcing them from the states largely. So, you know, it, there's uh, I think if you want to make money in distilling right now, you should open a cooperage and not a distillery, right. but because um, there's so many small distilleries coming online in the U.S. as well. Uh, that finding used barrels is uh, is really becoming a a difficult exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, it's a matter of calling around to different suppliers, usually in the states and usually out of Kentucky. Uh, you know, barrel resellers from major distilleries, and you know, getting getting what it is that we can get that's available. So sometimes we have used Tennessee whiskey barrels. Sometimes we have used bourbon barrels. Sometimes we have uh, you know from from micro distilleries. Sometimes from the majors. Uh, you know, it's difficult because we never really know what's been in it before. We we, we know where it came from, uh, and Jamie actually showed us a, a few things about uh, the the markings on different barrels to tell us, uh, so we get a little bit more of idea of what might have been in it. But um, it's it's really kind of a crapshoot at this point. Um, you know, from from wherever we can, whenever they're available, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's right. And so you can, you, Michael, in Canada here, you can use reused oak barrels. And, uh, you know, and Andrew, you can use reused oak barrels, but then you couldn't call True. it bourbon. So right. you're, you want to use brand new oak uh, to call it bourbon. All right. Yep. Um, and so, so we already got a timeline here because, uh, you know, Andrew, you're selling, like you said, four months. I know when we were there, you had like three month old product and mm-hmm. you're, you're aging it for four months um, and it's out the door and you're bottling it and you're selling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Michael from uh, The Last Straw Distillery, you're now you're working on two different ranges of products. You're looking working on long range products, so, so whiskeys, but right now you're selling things like Moonshine uh, and, uh, and other products. Um, but you can't call any of them whiskey. It cannot have whiskey on the label anywhere. Correct. Um, you know the so there's there are some in the uh, in the industry who uh, who you know are taking a stand against the the three year limit because it's it's nothing in the actual you know in the in the liquor control laws. It's actually a, a food labeling law that uh, that sets out the requirement for for something. You know if you want to call it whiskey. Uh, you want to put whiskey on the label, it's got to be aged for three years, uh, which from what I understand is a, sort of a, a throwback to prohibition era of, you know, if white spirits are uh, are quicker to produce, they'll get to market faster and we'll, you'll have more alcoholics or something. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it's like, like most things to do with our liquor laws, it's, it's pretty arcane and uh, it may be in need of an update. Uh, but for us also just, with the sheer size of the barrels, uh, you know, it, it as as far as quality goes, uh, it it needs the time in the barrel for us. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're using those large barrels. Um, now you're um, so you, you've got a and, and so Andrew, I'll, I'll let you respond at first. But I wanted to get Michael's uh, feedback on the uh, Canadian, uh, the Ontario Bill Seventy. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there was a lot of hope in Ontario that you know in in craft brewing there's been a lot of support taxation wise uh, for brewers. Uh, but I, you know, I just, just give us your perspective on on Bill Seventy and how it affects your business. Uh, well, the the first thing that I think it's important to, to note is that we all, as craft distillers, we wanted a tax. Uh, it's something that we've been asking for. So previously, anything that was sold through our bottle shop, uh, we paid 139% uh, markup to the, to the government liquor stores. Um, and that wasn't anything that was passed in law. It wasn't actually a tax, but it sure acted like one. Uh, so you know, basically, out of every dollar that we brought in between the provincial tax, uh, even though it wasn't called a tax, and the federal taxes, uh, we'd bring in a dollar and the government would get $2. So now they, you know, we were lobbying and we were, uh, as an association, we were at the table with the advisory committee and saying, you know, the, these are the things that, uh, these are the elements of a tax uh, that we think uh, will result in more distilleries creating more jobs uh, and giving more quality and, and more choice to the consumer. Uh, and those two big things were one, we wanted it to be a, a graduated tax, uh, meaning that you know there's there's sort of uh, small baby steps to until you reach the full rate of taxation. Um, so the example that we use is for for craft brewers in Ontario, uh, they pay slightly less than half of what the majors pay on their first five million liters. Uh, Small distilleries in British Columbia uh, pay no tax on their first 50,000 liters, and then they they sort of get gradually stepped up. And in both of those cases, you, know, you experienced a, a boom in the business and created good jobs and you know all sorts of choice on the shelf for consumers. Um, and you know, then we just get hit with a, a flat 61.5% tax, uh, which is you know slightly better than what we had before. Uh, but it's also very much targeted at small distilleries because the other, you know, all, all the major distilleries, the percentage that they sell through their bottle shop is next to nothing if they sell anything at all through their bottle shop. Uh, they sell everything through the government liquor stores. So for us, uh, we're the only place we're able to sell most of our products is through our own bottle shop, uh, you know, to, to pay 61 cents out of every dollar that we bring in to the provincial government is, uh, you know, it was a, a, a little unpleasant experience to, to read those numbers. And that's not the only tax you're paying as well. You're also paying HST, and there's some other fees associated with that with each bottle. Um, yeah, so there's uh, there's an environmental fee. There's a bottle uh, uh, a refund bottle charge. There's uh, a federal tax on alcohol, uh, which is you know, based on the the percentage of absolute alcohol that's in there. Uh, so we we still end up paying at the end of the day probably about seventy five cents. 70 to 75 cents out of uh, out of every dollar uh in taxes which you know it makes it difficult to price your products competitively when you're when you're small and you're you, you don't have economies of scale so if you if you sell a, a 50 dollar bottle of whiskey about 35 or even a little bit more than that goes to taxes and other fees i'd put it about 33 33 uh, okay. would go to taxes and then the, the rest of it would come in so, <laughs> and that, so, that's what we use to pay our, you know, pay for our sale and our startup costs and the ingredients and electricity and 
Everyone right. And this is so, so you got yeah. $70, $17. If that's not profit, then you've got to pay for your business. Yeah. All and, you know, labor and it's a, it's a time and labor intensive businesses. I'm sure uh, Andrew can attest. <laughs> uh, yes. And, you know, frankly, you, you, with distilling you there, especially with making whiskey, you're deferring any profit for at least three years. Uh, so, you know, every, every dollar that comes in, in that, in that initial three years is critical because that those are the things, you know, we, most distilleries will have taken on some sort of debt to pay for the still and stills are expensive to pay for fermenters. And those are expensive and mash tons and barrels and all these costs that you're just sinking in for three years before you can even sell anything. And then when you sell it, two thirds out of every dollar is, uh, is going elsewhere. That sounds very, um, it just doesn't sound sustainable, like in terms of, you know, uh, encouraging new distilleries to come on board. It, it just sounds, it, it almost sounds impossible. Uh, impossible is a strong word, but. Yeah. Uh, well, it's yeah, clearly it's, not, but it's, it's still, you know, it's, wow. It certainly makes it uh, uh, the market a lot better for large distillers who are already established uh, and a lot more difficult for, for little guys, for locally based small businesses. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I think, you know, we've, we've said on the podcast before, uh, whiskey is a very, it's a it, whiskey business um, really translates very well the more you make it. So, you know, $17 doesn't sound like a lot of, is not a lot of money for a small business, but if you're, you know, a big distillery and you're pushing out a bunch of whiskey, um, that's fine. You're going to, you're going to be rich. You'll be, you'll have, you'll have good money, but you also have a, a big distillery uh, behind you to pump out that product. Um, so Andrew, let's, let's go to you. Let's, yeah. let's talk about, um, let's talk about Kentucky. Um, I know, you know, w- there's differences here, right? In Ontario, the LCBO, the government is the only place sure. uh, outside the distillery that you can sell the whiskey. So, but, but in Kentucky, you have a very similar, you have to go through a distributor and you have to, yeah. Um, so let's assume the list price of your whiskey is fifty dollars. I know that the sure. distributor can sell it for more or less. It's the, I know that's not a perfect uh, science, <laughs> but let, let's kind of let, let's look at your costs. It really ends up being about you know we're probably in about twenty three, um, you know, for what we charge to the distributor. But then, uh, just like Michael, we're adding in still costs and and the loans that we've got and the grain and the barrels and electricity keeps the lights on all that kind of stuff it's not um it's not favorable it doesn't sound quite as bad as canada but um it's certainly not easy kind of like jamie was saying um one of the reasons you know we've got a lot of friends doing this now and they are starting and dedicated this idea of putting stuff back in 53s and it just boggles my mind how much money they're going to have to have. And when you say 53, you mean 53 liter? Sorry, uh, 53 gallon. Gallon um, yeah. barrels, like, barrels like Michael's using. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Just uh, to, to get a decent product out. Um, I mean, you're talking four or five years um, to have something that's that's ready to sell. And, and they are committed to it. And, and I certainly, um, you know, good for them. But... It, Ultimately, you have to have deep pockets to be able to do that. Um, for a smaller distillery, exactly like us, being able to put out products—not just bourbon—and we've done, we've done rum, we've done vodkas, we've done um, gin, that kind of stuff. We have really transitioned into you know seventy-five percent whiskeys, um, and most of those probably in the ninety-five percent is aged. Um, so we are putting this stuff back for three or four months 
which makes cash flow a whole lot better. Um, yeah. A whole lot easier to stomach, at least. Um, but in terms of the tax situation, uh, you know, we sell it for 23 24 bucks to the distributor. Uh, there's 11% state tax added onto that, plus a per case charge. Um, on the other side of the distributor, there's another 11% tax added on, um, plus another per case charge. Um, retailer to the consumer, you're talking about another 6% state tax. All this is state tax. Um, the tax that we are responsible for, we pay a yearly barrel fee, like a barrel tax. Um, but being in three or four months, it really kind of helps us out. I mean, you know, you imagine the um, barrel tax for a place like Wild Turkey. Um, right. Because right. you're, you're paying insane. by the leader. You're paying exactly. by the leader. Yeah. 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 Wow. You, you pay um, every year. Uh, I mean, if you've got an eight year old product, it has been taxed eight times before it's even put into a bottle. <laughs> wow. Um, what is yeah. that tax? How much? What's wow. the percentage? Uh, it's, it's actually, it's relatively small. Um, but it's, I think we're still talking about 8%, I think. Something like that. Um, and th- now that's all state tax. Um, if the federal excise tax is $13.50 per gallon, um, mm-hmm. which is due when you withdraw the spirit out of bond. Um, so, you know, really, unless you're doing um, white spirits, you're, you're can, you can kind of put off that $13.50 per gallon for a while until it actually gets bottled. But you have to have a pretty hefty bond insurance company, I guess, um, to cover all that. So, um, all that said, there's still relatively decent profits in it um, to at least make it worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, you're you're saying, so it's, you you yourself will sell the product to distributor for $23. Um, You are paying some tax under that, but then everybody else is paying taxes on top of it, the distributor yeah. to the wholesaler, so the wholesaler to the store, the store to the consumer, and so forth. Right. Um, but that's still uh, that's still a pretty decent advantage, and of, and of course we're also talking about you're you're able to turn around product in three or four months. Yeah. Um, under the name Bur- you know, under that that kind of brand recognition like Bourbon, which I right. think is a, is a pretty big deal there. It is. I mean, ultimately, the you know, if, at least in Kentucky, um, when you pay for a bottle of really any type of spirit you've got about 35 to 40 percent tax in there yeah um that is just sheer tax yeah that's yeah, it. And, and and that differs from state to state like yeah, you and i were talking a little bit before it'll differ a little bit from state to state yeah. in kentucky it differs a little bit from county to county as well <laughs> yeah. um but i mean so michael what are what are your, your thoughts on on that on what you're hearing well, I'm, I'm, first off, I'm glad our legislators have never heard of this barrel tax. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that too loud. I don't know. Yeah, I hope they're not listening, right? <laughs> but uh, you know, when you when you look you know, jurisdiction to jurisdiction and and how uh, spirits are, ta- you know, there's a lot of a lot of different ways to tax it, and and certainly, you know, alcohol is a luxury item. Uh, it should be taxed, and it, and it probably should be taxed at a fairly high rate. Um, you know the the big thing for us is that you know, just with the the way that it's it's difficult enough to start a distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But when it's done right, it's capable of creating a whole lot of jobs uh, and good quality jobs uh, and capable of generating a whole lot of tax revenue. Uh, so, you know, with, with asking for, you know, a little bit of break up front in order to have the potential for profit down the road, uh, you know, a number like 35% seems, seems pretty attractive from where we're sitting. Right <laughs> There's actually a bill to, um, I guess the starting of a bill with the, um, Congress in, in Washington to mirror the federal excise tax for craft distillers like they have done for um, craft breweries and winemakers. Um, so like a, a brewery, a craft brewery in the United States will pay $2.70 per gallon versus that thirteen fifty for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just trying to get – they're trying to get some parity. Um, which sounds like Michael. I'm sorry again. That will lower our tax a little bit more. Um, but the idea is to level the playing field for us. Um, we all pay the same tax. That thirteen dollars and fifty cents is is good for Heaven Hill or for good for somebody my size. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like what you're saying, Michael. That little bit of break up front. You know, that's first hundred thousand gallons um, taxed at two dollars and seventy cents means a lot more uh, investment back into the business for us. Um, yeah, that's... I'm, I'm not making mattresses of money, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, I think that's the, the challenge that lawmakers face in, in creating a tax is, you know, how do you, how do you balance all those different competing things? But, you know, in, in Ontario, there, there already is a tax break for small distillers, or sorry, for, uh, for small breweries. Uh, and there already is uh, a tax break for wineries, and you know that's you know they're they're they've certainly lobbied for it, and they've worked very hard and worked with government to to create that. Uh, and you know all we're asking for here is equal treatment as well. Uh, so you know if if a winery is taxed at six point one percent and has three and a half times less alcohol than a bottle of spirits, why are we getting taxed at ten times more? Right. It's part of this the impression that uh, you know politicians try to try to you know well, not necessarily politicians but people are like you know whiskey or spirits in general are kind of the dark the, the <laughs> devil's spirit. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, uh, is that part of the problem that politically it's hmm. good know, question. That's a great here, question. In in Kentucky, we are squarely in the Bible Belt um, yep. of the United States, so it's still referred to here as a sin tax. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, that, that idea is prevalent and still in a lot of people's minds. I mean, we, even, I mean, I think there was a vote a couple of weeks ago to take a county wet, and it still is, it just boggles my mind that there's still places in Kentucky you could not buy alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I've heard you guys talk about it on the podcast before, just getting to a dry place, and you're just like, where am I? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're we're in a state that, that produces 95% of the world's bourbon, and it's like, yeah. What? Yeah. What? So, I mean, that's that idea, that syntax idea is still very prevalent, um, at least around here. Not so much on a national scale. I think it's kind of boggles other people's minds, too. But yeah. here in Kentucky, I mean, you know, here we're within three blocks of eight churches. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. and Paris is a city of 9,000 people. Right. <laughs> you know, so right. You get the idea. Wow. 
Yeah, and I think uh, in Ontario you have very much, uh, so, you know, maybe different origins, but it comes from the the Scottish Presbyterian, uh, you know, the uh, teetotaler sort of background, uh, and it, it's for some reason it's still reflected in our laws, uh, and they're, you know, I, I don't want to go so far as to say it definitively, but. You know, and, and when Toronto Distillery was fighting their lawsuit, uh, the the lawyer for the provincial uh, government regulator stood up in court and said that the government wants to discourage uh, distilleries in Ontario. Uh, wow! And, you wow. know, we have we have legislators, uh, like actual lawmakers, standing up in the house while debating this bill, who are willing to pass a tax on something, but don't know the difference between a distillery and a brewery. Um, so, you know, on one hand, they're saying, okay, well, we want to discourage this type of business. On the second hand, they, they don't even know what the type of business is. Uh, so that's, uh, it, maybe that's a battle that has to be fought before we can talk about <laughs> fair taxation, uh, is to help, you know, have the people who are making the laws that govern our business, uh, you know, understand what it is that we do first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, I think you know to end this on a positive note because I think you know I mean <laughs> yes, Mark. I, I want some happy thoughts here. I want some happy I've thoughts. Been a yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but you know, no, no, no. It's been this has been fascinating, you guys. Like this yeah. is really eye opening uh, in terms of you know a compare and contrast, um, and you know getting sort of some of the nitty gritty details. So no, it's 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 been really really eye opening for sure. But no, I want I want to hear Mark's positivity. I'm dying. <laughs> I, well, some, somebody else had some ideas. I was I was just uh, I'm like okay. Oh, Jamie has some positive thoughts. No, nothing. Jamie's like, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I do. I do. I mean, there. You know, it's it's great. It's uh, you know, to have people who are so passionate um, that are you know in the industry and fighting on on behalf of uh, the industry and 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 making it easier for people to. Um, well, I mean drink whiskey at the end of the day but also make whiskey and make good whiskey um i mean that in a, in and of itself is is a positive thing uh that, that you know that you guys are are out there doing it because as much as we all love the, the you know the big guys and we all do um all of us are, are mm-hmm. fans it you know it's it's time for uh it's time for some new stuff too it's time to uh to be able to uh get a, a little bit more options going on and uh yeah i i i'm grateful for it but yeah that's just me the old whiskey drinker <laughs> <laughs> full of sin <laughs> <laughs> No, I agree. I mean, we, we know this is not an easy business in, in either in either way. Uh, I think we just uh, wanted to, to just uh, compare and contrast because I think, you know, I think the, the government's job is, you know, it, taxation is certainly a big part of what the government does. But I think it's government's job is to make sure their industry is competitive with with uh, with the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, we see a lot of attention on that with trade laws and everything else. I, I do think it's mm-hmm. ridiculous that Ontario uh, taxes the distilleries at a at a price point where they can't be competitive outside now the big guys can't be you know you've got Hiram Walker and 100% uh, you know great whiskey comes out of there and they're 100% competitive with American whiskey um, but at those volumes these 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 taxes become less of an issue when you can make so much more uh, whiskey and let, let's face it Jamie you and I have been to Hiram Walker there, there's mm-hmm. Um, literally, uh, we've been to small distilleries and big distilleries, and I believe the number of employees actually working at ferment, fermenting and distilling is exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, there's about three people at the distillery yeah. fermenting and, <laughs> and distilling at Hiram Walker. Right. <laughs> and you go to, you visit the last, you know, uh, you visit... <laughs> 
<laughs> and you were a small distiller, you're going to see about two to three people working <laughs> exactly. there as well. Yeah. Um, but the jobs come from the other parts as well, the bottling lines, the, the farmers that, that make the grain, you know, the, the, sales, the sales stuff. There's, there are more jobs in the industry, certainly. <laughs> um, but if you just look at your workforce, it's, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. not much different it's kind of hilarious <laughs> our same two two or three people end up doing all of the bottling and all of the uh, washing and all of that so it's it's you get two people for us mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we've got a bunch of people but nobody's getting paid so <laughs> right right oh my god Ontario <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I say quite quite frequently if uh, if this distillery does well I could have some rich grandchildren <laughs> yeah yeah oh, right that's oh. a yeah <laughs> sounds about right sounds about right yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you guys so much for uh, for coming on and, and having a chat with us and, yeah. and for opening our eyes to uh, you know sort of the, the behind the, the scenes stuff that we don't hear um, all the time uh, that we, we're not really privy to so we take we take it for granted I think uh, and uh, there's a lot more that goes into it than just you know product out money in uh, that exists in, in this sort of the the complicated liquor world yeah and I mean I think uh, for our audience I uh, do do support your your local uh, distillery or the, the the micro distilleries that you see around because they it, it really is blood sweat and tears into the whiskey that they make um, and it's uh, they they are competing against you know, big companies that, you know, Jamie and I talk about all the time, but I, I think the, uh, you know, the micro distilleries are doing wonderful things and they're the future of the industry as far as kind of where we're going to see that innovation come through uh, for the next 10 years uh, plus years. For sure. And people, people can help as well. Like the, every listener can, can help. They can write their member of power, whoever it is that's, you know, in charge of passing these taxes and let them know that, you know, you don't want them to choose who gets to sell spirits in your in your state or in your province you know mike i, I wrote my uh my member of parliament i did not receive a response yet oh keep us posted mm-hmm. i know, know. I, I thought i thought i was going to get at least like a friendly letter of like oh thank you for taking it no nothing right they did just, nothing. not even yeah. a, okay. nothing at all okay well keep us <laughs> let us know what happens oh thanks glenn murray of <laughs> <laughs> whatever district I am in here in Toronto. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what it's called. My, <laughs> but my uh, we'll, MVP, same thing. So. Uh, I will have a, a link because um, I will have a link where you can find your MPP. If you live in Ontario, uh, you can email them. Um, you know, on, on the flip side, uh, I was watching the uh, telecast from the NDP um, was was uh, the, the opposition political party was speaking against Bill 70. And they did read a bunch of letters from their members, uh, which was Good. very nice. Good. Uh, but uh, Glenn uh, Murray there is uh, not doesn't care what I have to say. No, nope. no, Clearly not. <laughs> hand, hand on as well. And Stephen Del Duca also uh, no no response whatsoever. No, so. yeah, mm. no. Fascinated, I was like, "What in the hell are they? <laughs> so much money, so much tax. What's happening? Ah, oh. it's too. It's like mind boggling. It's crazy. Wow, you know, I have no idea. We, I think you you hit it for us. I'm sure Michael, you guys do the same. But it's it's. It's, a, it's about passion and it's about sort of this dedication of, of being able to say something different um, with what we're doing. 
for sure for sure that's amazing well honestly like you have all our support you know it's so it's so interesting though when you talk about how like this and mark you had such a good question about that sort of puritanism uh, against whiskey uh and i mean it follows women and whiskey around you know for it that's that's why you know women you know for the long time it was it was you know unladylike to drink whiskey and the only kinds of women that drank whiskey were you know women of the the evening or the of the night um <laughs> so it was like it's got that sort of thing that's still like you know that surrounds it so it's uh i can really relate to that piece as well this puritan sort of oh no like oh whiskey is evil and you know it's uh the devil's drink or whatever <laughs> so i i yeah just fascinating well th- thanks guys so much uh yep. for coming on uh and, and really kind of letting us uh, into your business a little bit i really really appreciate this yeah, um nice. so as mentioned andrew buchanan from hartfield and co he yep. is located just north of lexington yeah northeast yeah. Northeast in yep. Paris. Uh, uh, please do come visit him. Tell him you're an, a listener. They they listen to the podcast at the shop, uh, and uh, and so uh, do do come by and make a Jamie joke and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and take a photo and quote the joke. And, we uh, are all fond of Jamie jokes. I guess. <laughs> and uh, and we will love you and mention you. Yes, for sure, for sure. Where can we find you on Twitter, Andrew? Uh, at Hartfield and Co. So, nice. uh, we we light up Instagram and Facebook as well. So nice, yes. excellent. And Michael Hook of Last Straw Distillery in Vaughan, Ontario. If you live in Toronto, uh, go up to Vaughan. You guys are open uh, pretty much every day uh, for tours, and you're selling products out of out of there. Uh, what do you got coming up, uh, Mike? Uh, this Saturday, we are launching our darker side of the moonshine, uh, which ah, is a, yes. Uh, I have a so, bottle. You have you have a bottle of darker side? Oh no! Or the dark side. Uh, the dar- oh boy. Okay, I gotta come get <laughs> another bottle. Uh, bottle. So our moonshine is how we're experimenting with different barrel treatments, uh, so that way we're less likely to screw up our whiskeys. Um, so we've got uh, one that's been aged, uh, the one that Jamie has, which is dark side of the moonshine uh, that's been aged in uh, uh, in used oak. Uh, and then darker side of the moonshine we put into uh, charred new American oak, and uh, you know if if you if I didn't tell you up front that it's uh, not a bourbon, you probably wouldn't know. Mm. <laughs> amazing, awesome. amazing. Now look, that's right, and so you'll have that on the, the Saturday coming up. Where can we find you on uh, on social media, Mike? Uh, we're at, at Last Straw Distill on uh, on both Twitter and the Instagram, and uh, we're on the Facebook as well. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Do, do join the mailing list uh, from for both distilleries. They uh, mm. you'll get some specials and, and events as well. Please do. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll have links. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming cool. on. Thank you, guys. Okay.